Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Do you want to thrive outside the nine to five? Then Mom's Exit Interview Podcast is for you. In each episode, you'll hear from inspirational everyday moms taking control. Entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms with side hustles, consultants, and more. Plus experts with actionable tips like Rebecca Minkoff and Gretchen Rubin. I'm Kim Ritberg, former Us Weekly and Netflix executive and mom of two. I've got the best boss now, me, and I've never been happier. Whether you're in transition or already made a change, let's create a more flexible and fulfilling life together. Listen to and follow Mom's Exit Interview on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. One of the healthiest things you can do, of course, is get, well, adequate sleep. And for most people, that's at least seven hours of quality sleep. Hard to get that much sleep. Your mind keeps you awake. You're stressed. Your schedule won't allow you. Wake up early. Can't fall asleep again. hundred reasons out there why you can't get seven hours of good sleep. But listen, it's important because your body heals when you sleep. Right? You clear all those uh, amyloid uh, sort of precursors out of your brain. And if you're not getting enough sleep, you're increasing your risk of various illnesses. And you're making it even harder to lose weight for sure. Well, an easy way to get some quality sleep, make sure you're getting enough magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people do not have enough, which may help explain why so many people have sleep problems. Don't run to the store to buy the first magnesium supplement you find. Most supplements with magnesium use only the two cheapest synthetic forms. And since they are not the full spectrum, they may not fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you need to get all of them if you want to have the calming, sleep-enhancing, optimizing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthroughs by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed. You may be amazed at how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For our exclusive offer for our listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew and use promo code DrDrew10 during checkout to save 10%. Again, that is magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use code DrDrew10 at checkout for 10% off. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies' best-fitting diaper, Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you all for... uh or, well, for listening to this podcast, for one thing. But do listen to the other stuff we have going on over there at DrDrew.com, the uh, After Dark, of course. I mean, you, know, you guys all know about Adam and Drew. And uh, do check out DrDrew.tv where we do a streaming show. Uh, usually it's two o'clock, 3 o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And um, my next guest will not be a stranger to that show either. She's uh, a friend and a consummate professional. Her podcast is How Not to Raise a Serial Killer with Michelle Ward. Michelle Ward, Ph.D., uh, available. Oh, wait, I'm going to talk about past TV shows in a minute. But where is your, Michelle, where is your Twitter stuff? Tell me the Twitter, the social media. I don't tweet. You don't do social media? No, I do. I just started okay. uh, Dr. Michelle Ward okay. on Instagram. How did you get that? That's pretty easy. Right? Yeah. I don't know. For you. Oh, I don't well know who done. I was hooking up so with. So IG, Instagram is where you go, or Insta, as they say in France, right? We. Mm. Oui. <laughs> Je ne sais pas. Okay. <laughs> but you just came back from living in France I for did. a while. Do you want to tell us about that a little bit? Because I want to talk about you for a minute, because we're 
we're friends. We haven't seen each other forever, and we have to pile into the studio and talk. I know. And I want I want to catch up. So yeah. you were in France for a few years. Yeah, my, both my parents died, and I'm like, wow, life's really short. They died in their 70s, and I was like, okay, what can I do to slow down time? And where does time slow down? Provence. I mean, your biggest decision is which rosé to drink, and I drank them all. So. <laughs> Um, my children were three and six, and I pulled them out of school. I quit my job. My husband at the time quit his job, and we moved to France for a year. Peut-être que je te téléphonerai. J'ai besoin. J'ai envie de parler français. See, this is why I'm on this podcast today, so that Drew can show you his beautiful French. But don't no. You didn't learn it while you were there. I thought. I thought that's what I was. I'm going to use you as my French teacher. <laughs> no, no. You, well, then I'm going to call your daughter. I know she, she picked it up. She's fluent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so. That's so frustrating. The way kids pick that stuff up. Well, so. and she's losing it now. But I lived in Spain for a year. Picked it up quickly or six months. Lived in France, and literally all I can say is like, "Can I have a glass of wine?" I, I have. A, <laughs> I. I um. People that listen to the podcast know I've been talking about this a little bit. I've been preoccupied with the French lately, not just because I've been studying the language, but I just am, I'm attracted to what the youth in France are sort of doing right now, which oh. is sort of they want to reestablish the principles of their republic. I was there in the summer, and my French was pretty good, yeah. and so I started talking to young people because they were in the streets every night. Do you, do you know this? They, no, I don't know what you're talking They've been demonstrating in Paris. Well, uh, they're French. They're always uh, right. out in the street protesting. I know. So we, we seem to have picked up their habits. <laughs> but um, – and so I started talking to them, and they were all like, "No, this, 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 the overreach of our government in terms of our bodies is very disturbing to us. Like, we'll we'll decide if we're going to take a vaccine. We'll decide if we're going to wear a mask. You've told us this thing isn't going to hurt us. We're 22 years old, and now you're going to force us to do something. No, that's not the principle. That that and they and they do all do wow. the same thing. They'd step closer to me, and they'd take their fist and they go, "Vive la liberté! C'est très important. You do comprends? And it's like really important to them." And uh, and I thought, wow, that's very appealing to me as compared to what's happening here where they want more mandates and more intrusions and more of this, which is unappealing to me, strangely enough. So I, I keep threatening to move to France for a while too. I, so. I'm sure. Was it great? Susan would not mind. Was it great? It was great. It yeah. was I, – I like to always be honest about my experiences. Like here I'm posting on Instagram like running through the lavender fields. But other shit went down. Just, Susan, can we say plenty yes, of Yes, yes, yes. Other stuff happened too. Other shit went down. My marriage fell apart. My kids didn't necessarily love preschool there. I mean, and it's hard taking your kids to doctor's appointments and getting visas. Well, and, and you didn't speak French. No. Yeah. No, and they're not, they're not particularly in the Provence. They're, they're not particularly uh, accommodating. No, but I made wonderful friends because okay. I, I like people and I you know, will force myself on them. And <laughs> so I had, I had advocates everywhere. So Michelle, you may have seen her on Discovery ID. She uh, still, you can still see stocked. Somebody's watching. And she was co-EP of The Mind of a Murderer. I feel like you did other shows over there at Discovery ID. You, you were like I was on guesting forever. on everything. Yeah. And you used to guest for me on HLN and stuff when we had Jody Arias. I co-hosted with Did you, you co-host with me a couple times? Yeah. Well, I would always – you know, I think you know. I always go, get me Michelle Ward. Get me Michelle Ward. I did Dr. Michelle Ward. I have one And then hand. you disappeared. And I was like, god damn it. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to replace Michelle Ward? I couldn't. You're the best. Thank you for supporting me. So Michelle's uh, PhD is in clinical neuroscience and psychology from SC and um, – Early in her career, she studied MRI on murderers and non-murderers. And, of course, you must be aware of this, the story of James Fallon mm-hmm. over – yeah. And uh, have we – well, Gary's not in there right now. We've interviewed him a couple of yeah. times on the show. He's funny. I did, a, I did something great. with him once too. What would you do? Well, it was on Crime Watch Daily 
and we just talked about his brain and, and you know, why it mimics a, it looks a lot like a serial killer. But so does Adrian Rain. Adrian Rain, who's the godfather of studying all the biosocial underpinnings of, of violent crime. He was my god. He was at well, USC. isn't that interesting that people – and remember, James Fallon discovered he had psychopathic mm-hmm. biology because he was studying psychopaths. Right. And how they're drawn to look at the Michelle. Maybe you'll get a fMRI. I'm just saying. There's a reason I haven't put myself in the machine. I'm just saying. Um, but that's interesting to me that people would be drawn to that. Would would you know? We you know. I think if I'm honest with myself about all the years I did in mental health, probably what got me there was my own stuff. Mm. You know, going, How's, what's going on here? Why am I like this? What's on there? I mean, and sort of, you're naturally kind of. Um, I find it appealing to understand the mind when you don't understand your own that well or you have questions about your own. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, and all it is is the mind studying itself anytime yeah. you're looking at the brain. Yeah. But don't aren't we drawn to what, what we're curious about and what we don't understand? And yeah. I'm not a psychopath, but I'm very of attracted to well, you know, you depends who you ask. <laughs> but we're drawn to what we don't what we don't understand. Well and you and I have talked about our mothers mm-hmm. and we they they both can we say this? Can we say yeah, this? Absolutely. Say it about mine. They both had some unusual traits that might have had psychopathic qualities, or at least at least they were so strange and extreme. We we wanted to understand it too. You are yeah. the one who you met my mom once on set, and then I was you know you're my friend, so I told you a lot about my mom. And I was in my 30s, and you looked at me and you're like, you know, your mom's borderline, right? Mm. And I'm like, oh my god. I I said this. I was recording my podcast yesterday, and I told this story. I said. It took Dr. Drew to tell me my mom was borderline, even though I'd had 9,000 degrees in psychology by then. <laughs> to, to start to look at it. I couldn't yeah. see it. Yeah. Well, that's that's the way kids are, right? It's just – that's just our, our mom right. and it's just that relationship with it. Mine, strangely, had a very mixed disorder. I, I can't, I've only seen one patient all the years I worked at the psychiatric hospital who reminded me of her syndrome. Interesting. Isn't that crazy? So did she lack the empathy, the remorse, oh. the guilt? <laughs> well <laughs> – Hard to say. Yeah. Uh, I think there was uh, – I think it was more – is mixed. It had some borderline features, some schizoid features, some mm. narcissistic stuff. And, and so the, the, what I was subjected to was fusion early and then as soon as I had to – you know, as a child goes into rapprochement, which is they're moving out into the world, mm-hmm. rejection. Uh-huh. And what I'm seeing in these days as I think back on it – hated men and she had some pretty nasty experiences with men i guess and so i got the as i grew into an adult i got the full bear of that full brunt uh do you yeah. think that could be part of her borderline features yes borderlines they love their babies when their babies can't reject them yes yes but as soon as you get older and you're kind of abandoning yes, her correct and then the panic of the abandonment it's rage I, I, right right and the rage is what came out rage rage rage, rage. and then also being male so my sister didn't get as much of it or didn't wasn't even, can't even understand what i'm talking about really which is interesting because her trauma whether or not she, borderlines love to exaggerate trauma and maybe maybe your mom did experience trauma but it was maybe around males Oh, of course. And and she uh, had this very strange well, – so, so she'd always talk about uncles that touched or something. So Yeah, right. It's like pandemic and borderlines. Right. I mean, I, it, it does happen, but yeah. it, sometimes it's exaggerated. Well, I, I think the way I understand it is sometimes it's a sufficient cause, mm-hmm. but probably the reality is like everything in mental health, there's got to be at least a 60% genetic predisposition. And so you get the – 
the predisposition and then the inciting agent the and then now you get the condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a trigger that might not trigger you or me is going to trigger somebody exactly. with a predisposition exactly. to borderline. Exactly. And and again, to the degree to which her family dynamics set up borderline and stuff, she had yeah. all kinds of stuff going on there too for herself that was awful, I'm sure. It's hard to unpack because there's so much that goes on in your life when you're growing up. You do and, – and you have to be careful too because – you can blame your parents, but you're also tacitly receiving their genes. So, <laughs> so you have an environment. Don't blame them too much. Right. And also don't take too much credit. Well, right. Well, I, I, I feel like I, I am totally – I have more to say about what, what, my, what I was subjected to. But, but um, And I want to tell you her, one of her backstories you'll love because mm. I didn't – I don't think I knew it when I well, – I, I may have known it when we last talked. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, – oh, oh, I'm blocking – which is what I do when I get anxious. So it must be something, some, some content in here that's <laughs> yeah. problematic for me. Well, uh, what did you just say? You just well, said we were talking that, about that you tacitly pass down genes. And oh, yeah. Um, oh, I am completely at ease with all of it. I have no problem. Um, but unfortunately, because I'm completely okay with it, uh, I talk about it freely. And maybe, that, maybe that's not fair to her, but she's gone. Um, and I have certain – I have essentially forgiveness. However – you don't do that to kids. You fucking don't do you that. Don't do you just it. fucking don't do you that. Don't do so it. I personally am forgiving, but it's not it doesn't make it okay. You can you know? forgive without like you can forgive and accept without really endorsing, endorsing it. it. Yeah, I do not endorse it. It was not okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, Do you want there, to share with us? What, what she did? Yeah. No, it's just chronic yeah. stuff, you know, chronic being I, I can't it's hard to I just remember just rage and yelling and rage and yelling and And you go home, you go to school and you come back and she's still mad and she you're still going to get it. Just for being me. Is what, and, and I think that's the male stuff is mm. that the, the – ugh. And um, – did, did, did she stay married to your dad? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's – but the reason I know it wasn't a lot of borderline because usually when somebody's a lot of borderline, the, the only thing they're interested in is sociopaths. Mm-hmm. Isn't <laughs> and so it the, interesting? So the male has to be a sociopath. Yeah. My dad was not a sociopath. He was like a like a codependent, covert narcissist. Yeah, so narcissists and borderlines couple too. They, Do, it, yeah. I, I feel like it's sort of more milder borderline or mixed mm. borderline that gets the narcissist because the narcissist then manages, contains and manages and all that kind and of stuff. And they kind of get off on a little bit on like the drama because – I, your mom obviously isn't a strict borderline. She has some psychopathic features, but they tend to be kind of exciting. Yes, right? fun, entertaining, and mm-hmm. different. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure he had a lot of that stuff going on. Um, Drew, I struggle too when I talk about my mom because it's like she's not here. But the way I think of it is, I, I say good things about her too. But she's at peace now. Like they're yeah. wherever their brains aren't yeah. playing tricks on them anymore. <laughs> Which is really what this is. What borderline is. Um, but but I you know the one piece of story I wanted to share with you is that she had a, she had a, a secret life before she married my dad and we didn't even know about it. Shut the front door. Right? Isn't that start at the beginning and leave nothing out? Um, she I f- <laughs> I found out because uh, I had a neighbor who was interested who I wrote a book with the the, the narcissism book the mirror yeah, effect yeah. was with my neighbor who is a essentially a behavioral econo- economics professor at SC. Mm. And he was interested in celebrities and what they are. And I'm like, dude, they're all sick. I was like, are you? I go, he goes, well, <laughs> no I want to be, yeah, well, they all have, that's why you become a celebrity. Mm. Is there's there something you're trying to fix or, or there's something motivating you. And uh, he goes, oh, I don't know, I want to I meet. So he started coming with me to Loveline every night to meet these people and stuff. And, and then we wrote the book off of 
giving a essentially a personality inventory to every celebrity that came on the show. You didn't. And we published it. And it showed, guess what? Lots of pathology, lots of trauma, lots of addiction. I mean, way I read more than average. Of your book, way but more. I didn't realize that you got these celebrities to <laughs> they, to comply in yeah, filling this out. Yeah, they filled out it used to drive Adam crazy, but but they all were like, Yeah, I know there's something wrong with me, I'd like to know. Wow. Every single one of them. Um, I, I, we had like one person that didn't in, in sequence like fill it out. Everyone else was like, thank you. I would love to. I know I'm fucked up. Let's see what's going on here. And it's more yeah. attention, you know. It's, <laughs> to, be Sorry, to be fair. Well, because they would all pull me aside during the commercial breaks for all those years and go, oh, what's going on? It's like, oh, Jesus. You know, there's yeah. a lot going on here. And, of course, I would treat them out in the world and I knew how what the pathology I was seeing and stuff. And, and, and again um, – and I had the sense that becoming a celebrity was a bid to solve the problem of the injury of childhood. Mm-hmm. And we actually built a mathematical model that showed that's what they were doing. They were actually – it was a bid to solve injury from childhood. Did you discover a, a common undercurrent or overarching theme of what the injury from childhood was for them, for the celebrities? No. I, I would call it, uh, you know, the, the usual suspects. Right. Yeah. It was nothing exotic. Yeah. It, it was abandonment, neglect, yeah. sexual abuse, sexual physical abuse, abuse physical yeah. abuse. Physical abuse probably less so than I'm used to seeing and say on the addiction unit. On the addiction yeah. unit, almost every patient I saw had a had – a, where I had to do their history, I had to go, any, any physical abuse? No. Uh-uh. Were you disciplined as a child? Well, sure, I was disciplined. Well, how were you disciplined? Well, they were a little rough. I was like, did they ever hit you? Well, sure, I needed that. And they go – did they ever pick up an object? I really every patient I have to go. Through, I have to march through these questions because wow. they were in such denial about yeah. it. And I'd say, ever pick up an object? Always. No, no, no. I go. Are you sure? Oh yeah, yeah. My mom picked up an axe once, and a <laughs> yeah, literally those were the answers. Like, yeah, when that time she she came at me with a knife, there was that time. Right. As I uh, okay, that's the that's what I'm asking about. That actually <laughs> is physical abuse. Let's yeah. start over. <laughs> well, and it's a it's a threshold phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Not so much of that in the celebrities. Interestingly, do so. you think that the substance abuse came from? I mean, I always go back to how much can we disentangle? Yeah. Is it that their parent was also perhaps abusing substances, getting drunk? Well, we have lots of research on that that shows it bears. No real significant. Huh. It's it's the genetics, which is about sixty percent. Mm-hmm. So so the way we say it is the the potential, the probability of developing addictive disease is accounted for on the basis of genetics sixty percent. On the basis of genetics alone, it's sixty percent. There and then there are inciting influences, right? right. And then the inciting influence is trauma, typically. So now, what that but, means is, if you adopt your baby out, you're a raging alcoholic. You adopt your baby out. That baby is still more likely than not to become an alcoholic. And if they came from an alcoholic family. Right. If they did not, it's not going to be an alcoholic. It just is not going to happen. So if they're not raised by the alcoholic. It doesn't matter. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So no, we have lots of data out, on that. We have lots of data on, on monozygotic twins. and dizygotic uh, and yeah. comparing. Yeah. Right. And so there are twi- twins with identical genetics and raised in alcoholic versus non-alcoholic environments. It doesn't make any difference. And it's doesn't such a fascinating way. That's how I designed my studies too. And, and I explained to people – Identical twins share 100% of their non-segregating genes. So they are essentially genetically the same person. Fraternal twins share 50% like regular brothers and sisters. You can test reading ability, psychopathy, alcoholism. You can test anything. Put it into a model. Put it, you know, in those MX models, and you can really identify how much is genes. And That's right. 60% is huge. 60% is huge. And, and 60% is the, is the number that comes up a lot in mm. mental health. It mm. comes up a lot. Uh, when you're talking about depression risk or bipolar risk or these other risks, uh, it, it just seems to be a common – I don't know why 60 percent, not 50 percent, right. but 60 percent <laughs> seems to be the number that I keep reading in the literature. So Because biology wants it to be more them. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's – right. And and it's so specific in addiction. It's like that's the number that's in addiction. The number. It's robust. Um, 
And But I will tell you, even though that's the number, the genetic burden can vary. I, I have some patients that are raised in eh, mildly traumatic backgrounds explode with addiction at 17, just explode. Hmm. And, and they and never stops. It just, boom, it just hits the ground running the, the moment they have their first drink. God. And, and that care, follows certain genetic patterns too. Certain, certain Native American populations, certain uh, original Mormons, the original biological sect, they tend to have that stuff. Right, let's talk about <laughs> I see a lot of that, that when they would leave the church and come to Southern California, they'd just explode with addiction. Uh, and I saw a lot of that. Uh, and uh, who else? Uh, We're looking at you, Bishop. <laughs> and well, by the way, they would take a lot of them back and do a pretty good job with getting their addiction. I, I saw some like, no, nah, I can't, can't complain. They did, they, they got it kind of yeah. under control. Um, but there was the other population I was using. So it's Mormons. Uh, I like when uh, I make you nervous and you forget what you were going to say. It, it, may, it may be the, the I, I'm the trauma yeah, of your childhood. Uh, Cherokee is the, the other one that's really prevalent. For, for exploding with the disease. I can't remember the other group I saw. Isn't that weird? Well, is it related to the ADHs and MEOs, the metabolites of alcohol? Of alcohol? People that try matter? to, you know, probably not. Okay. There's a lot of – at one time that was a very significant theory and it just sort of it, – the only thing that was left behind was – that the way women metabolize alcohol is different than men and it increases their risk of alcoholic liver disease. And, oh. and that fits my clinical experience 100%. If a woman is a heavy drinker, it's heavy enough to need to see me, she has alcoholic liver disease. Uh-oh. Now, I'm not saying cirrhosis, but I can feel her liver when I do a physical exam, essentially 100% of the time. Can we undo that a little so, bit? Sorry about that. You can undo it, yeah, because okay. you, you just slow down, Michelle. How, how slow? So, <laughs> well, moins confiance. So um, – Yes, it, it's usually it's often fatty liver disease or what's called foie gras. Uh, that's fatty liver. That's fatty liver. It's like that, uh, and, or it's hepatic. Uh, they get you get this kind of fibrotic thing that's mm. not cirrhotic necessarily sometimes in, with women. Uh, so yeah, it, it it can be reversed. It can be reversed mm-hmm. if you get cirrhosis. It doesn't reverse. And Doctor uh, Henneberg yesterday told me my liver felt fine. So good, okay. so you're fine. Yeah. So he's endorsing your he's consumption fine. of alcohol. It's good. <laughs> like like the, the French have the highest incidence of alcoholic liver disease in the world. <laughs> Shocking. And, and, and they and they and they co-sign all the bullshit. <laughs> like we, that's no big deal. They just you know it's just how we live. It's yeah. just like oh dude, this bad outcomes. Anyway, so I'll tell you my mom's story now. So he, my friend who wrote this book and was doing this testing with, came to me, came on the show early. And on the way down one night, we started talking for some reason about my mom, who was an actress and an opera singer. Opera singer. Yeah. I remember that. But she was an actress and she was working in noir, film noir. She was in a couple of big ones. And he was like, I am such a fan of film noir. I'm a big, you know, I'm nut with it. So he looks her up while I'm on the air and he goes, I found a website dedicated to your mother. What? Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, interesting. And he goes, here it is. Uh, you know, Helene Stanton was her, you know, her Stanton was her stage name. Uh, married to – some dude I've never heard of in in 1949 or whatever it was. Uh, he was a fi- silent film star. Had been in over a thousand films or something. He was a Western silent film star. Uh, she was his fifth or sixth wife. Uh, he was. 60 or 58 at the time. Uh, she was 18. No. And, oh, yes. And was brought here, you know, by him uh, and groomed, obviously. 
um, or God knows what she was running away from, right? I mean, who knows what horror in her home that she was running away from? But she, you know, lived with him for ten years. Ten years. Yeah, ten and years you married. Never heard about ten years. This. Wait, it gets better. Ten, ten years, and uh, she's Don Draper. You know, Don Draper would just go. It just didn't happen. Just whoosh. and and that I, that was so familiar to me when I saw Don doing that yeah. to to himself and Peggy and stuff. So anyway, so uh, ten years. Then fast forward like a couple years after I discovered this, maybe even a year after I discovered it, Adam and I were doing a large event in Santa Barbara and we had sort of a meet and greet beforehand and this woman comes up to me and she goes, I need to make amends to you for my grandfather. And I was like, really? What was your grandfather? He was married to your mom for 10 years and 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 her stepson was my dad. <laughs> there no. was a stepson she took care of for 10 years. And I said, well, I'd love to talk to him. How interesting would that be? So I called him up. He was a retired dentist in uh, Stockton and uh, yeah, stepson for 10 years. And one day she sat him down and said, I'm leaving and never spoke to him again. That's not true. Swear to God. I'm so confused. I have so many questions. First of all, a borderline couldn't have kept that to herself because she would need to tell you about all the trauma involved. That's true. But how did you not ever hear this from anybody? How was that never used against you? Interest, that's what a borderline would have done. That's why I know she had a mixed disorder. Mixed disorder. Yeah. She she um, we, we, she was about probably 84 years old when we discovered all this. It, my sister freaked out and I said my, – my position was, you know, if she's ta- taking it this long and she wants to take it to the grave well, – you let her. Let her do it. And my dad was gone at that point, and we and we didn't even know if he ever knew. We we don't we don't really don't know if he ever knew. Here's a real comedy. So in this very studio, Susan did her. She used to do this podcast with uh, psychics once in a while, mm-hmm. and they would bring people in for the psychics to read. And she brought my mother, and she agreed to do it. And it was uh, James von Prague, and uh, and he didn't know who he was reading. Just this woman on the phone. And first thing he says is. Uh, well, there's somebody here. He says he was your first husband, and oh, she God. and she goes, "I, I didn't have a first husband." He goes, "Oh no, no, he's insisting. He's insisting he was your first husband." And she was like, "Oh, you mean Mort, my my husband, the doctor?" He goes, "No, this guy was like in entertainment or something." I mean, literally, he didn't give it and, up. And she was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And then. She, she asked my mom back with another psychic. The same fucking thing happened. No. And now totally you're making me believe in psychics. I know it was weird. I've seen them do weird stuff. This was one of the weird things. And But the the comedy is her going, I don't know what you're Don talking Draper. about. Didn't happen. Don Draper, right. Just didn't happen. And so the to me, the really telling part of the story was leaving a child that you've raised for 10 years behind without a thought. No. Like, boom, gone. And that fit with – how I experienced her. So Just, her relationship with you, was she dutiful in taking care of you? Anxious. Anxious, anxious not dutiful. Like overwhelmed, anxious, you, you know, because I was – I had some autonomy and that freaked her the hell out. Mm. So I pushed harder, right? I need to get out of here. This is too And, and look much. how here, – here, here we are again with the crux of you can traumatize a kid and if they don't have the predisposition to yeah. fail yeah. or to become an alcoholic or become a criminal, right. you can end up it's, Dr. It's, Drew. It's it's a very dangerous diathesis, right? Mm-hmm. It's either going one way or the other. Right. and It's, it's, like, it's like being a dragon mom too. It goes one way, one way or, or the other. other. It goes you become a perfectionistic, hyper-compulsive workaholic. Or we become criminal. <laughs> There's no in between. There's no, that's right. They <laughs> yeah. do. They and and is that the trauma? It, 
probably, right? I mean, you probably became anxious at being parented like that, and oh you're also God. related to the anxious person. Yeah. Oh, I had a terrible. I had panic attacks and depression and stuff, and and you know, in college, and had a lot of un- unclear. My, my my challenge early was uh, unclear identity. Maybe I would have been transgender in today's yeah. world. My identity was all over the place, and I couldn't form. I couldn't figure out a, an identity. And um, when I got I moved in and out of my scientific training. And when, when I got back to it, I was like, okay, I, this is what I want to do. I got it. And it was mine at that point. I was able to construct mm. it in, on my own behalf and sort of never looked back. And by the way, the more I built that life, that that, that pursuit, which I had, was found so satisfying, um, the more I had to get the hell away from my fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, got to get away from these guys. Because that's yeah. the risk factor. It's yeah. triggering. So, yeah. so this begs the question. Sorry, I didn't mm. know you were being interviewed today, actually. Okay, please. This begs the question, what were the protective factors? So what was it about you, other than high IQ, which is always a very good protective factor, that made you go this way rather than becoming a cutter, an alcoholic, a criminal? I was, for whatever reason, always aversive to uh, – Bad behavior, mm. always. I had a lot of. I, I think one of my things is I am guilt avoidant, and so a way to be guilt avoidant is just to be perfect. So mm. then you can never feel guilty. Because I, I I used to have one of my recurring dreams was being uh, persecuted or, or sort of accused of something I didn't do. That oh. was a hor- That was an overwhelming idea for me. So I was just always just didn't do anything wrong. Now. Uh, I was left with certain narcissistic traits that I had to iron out in therapy. Mm-hmm. And so it made me um, less rigorously honest than I should have been, like in terms of impacting on other people. And so I, n- now I really live by Kant's you know, first mm-hmm. law, is essentially behave as though somebody's got a camera on you at all times. And it's it, what he said was beha- behave as though your choices can be a universal moral dictum at, at all times. And, and I found that to be a very good guiding thing. And of course, I was already disposed that way. I liked that kind of thing. Why I was disposed to that, I, I don't know. I, I was attached to my dad, I would say. Okay. And, and although he was narcissistic, right? He was a very good person. A um, narcissist can be wonderful people. Yeah. And, and, well, and right. And very, but I think uh, they both would have been just, incre- as I try to reconstruct it, Unbelievably rejecting and abandoning had I not sort of been that. I, I was able to get stuff from them by being perfect. I'm getting anxiety yeah. just listening to it's, I'm not Because it's, it's so familiar. Well, well and I'm, I'm an empath, so I'm feeling very bad oh. about little baby Drew. Yeah, little baby Drew was hurt pretty good. Yeah. Um, but but it's all integrated now. It's all good. You're, you obviously turned uh, out okay. I turned out okay, but, but I was okay before therapy, mm. but I'm – Actually, okay now. Yeah, I'm a you know, huge... I was functioning high before therapy. I just wasn't all there yeah. the way I should have been. Well, and to destigmatize de- therapy, I now say you're making it all me anxious. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> so, so we're both like Drew and I had really troubling childhoods. Um, when you mentioned Kant, are you talking about Immanuel Kant? Yeah, the, yeah. the philosopher. He, yeah. I live by his one. It's funny. You and I both live by something he said. Yeah. Reject the greater miracle, and I use that. I'm also a litigation consultant. I use that all the time. What is that? What is that? So he said, when when talking about religion, the Bible was the, the the rumor of Jesus Christ spread around the planet quicker than any rumor ever had hmm. at that time. Since COVID, COVID is Since the latest thing. The rumors right. around COVID were well. Jesus right is coming back thing. too. He's Maybe like, that's whoa. what this is all about. But anyway, so he, his argument was okay. So what? What's more unlikely that a man came down who could walk on oh, water and speak yes, to God, right. or that a rumor just spread really quickly? Yes. 
One you must know, Marcus Aurelius the, said the same thing, I believe. Oh, God, I hope I, I'm not saying, I hope I'm not attributing it to the wrong person. Well, hang on. Well, Gary, get in here. We'll ask him to look it up. Gary but, the but philosopher. Anyway, there, there were philosophers that had said versions of that, yeah. you know, which is more likely. Right. You know, that, that this is a rumor or a distortion or that a miracle actually happened. It's, yeah. it, and by, and, 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 and by the way, I think it was framed as violating the laws of, of physics. Oh. In other words, I, I've heard modern incantations of this. It's been, which is more likely, there, there's some distortion, uh, some myth, or the laws of physics were violated. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you yeah. reject the, yeah. the least likely thing. Yeah, yeah. I want to, if it's okay with you, I want to go back to your mom really quickly. Yes, of Because course. I know she's not a strict borderline, but <laughs> I have been watching snippets of the Depp Herd. Yes. She's mixed too, right? I, she's mixed. Mixed histrionic and borderline. And what I've noticed is now everyone's getting an education I know. On she's, she, has done, she has done a public mm-hmm. service. That's what I want to say. 100%. I am so grateful. I don't know whether to thank Johnny Depp or Deborah Heard or uh, uh, Amber Heard or both of them, but they have done a public service by bringing to light what this is. Yes. And, and let me tell you something. What I have found myself saying lately is, you know, I saw the cluster B pandemic emerge. Mm -hmm. When I was working in the early 80s in a psychiatric hospital, the admission diagnosis page would have all kinds of different personality profiles. I have OCD, Mm -hmm. paranoid, blah, blah, blah. By 1992, it was 100% cluster B. Everybody had cluster B. That's how I knew we had to write this book. Narcissism, Why? borderline sociopath. I think it's. I think we had a pandemic of childhood trauma. I think it that's wasn't sort of, fatal attraction. No, 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 no. It was childhood trauma, and, and and everyone, every borderline that came in had at least 20 lawsuits under her belt. Of course, right? They're so litigious, and, and the they were using the legal system to act out this stuff. The legal system finally figured that out and is, was not letting them – because they people get punished for frivolous, frivolous lawsuits now. They were rewarded for it back then. But now those people have abused the Me Too stuff, are in government, and are going and acting out in other domains. And so this is a really serious public service. So you can look at these people and go, oh – that's projection. That's acting out. That's borderline. That is not somebody who actually is doing governing or actually cares about the Me Too movement, for instance, right? I, I could not agree with yeah. you more. It's, yeah. it's another platform. It's another platform. If they can't- To cudgel, to use as a cudgel, to, to act out their aggression and unregulated and to hostility. Win. To and, be the hero. They're the hero or the victim in every yep. story. Yep. It's another platform to talk about their victimization, to create a villain- Yep. You know, and and that's what they do. Everyone in their life is a hero, and then becomes a villain. Could become a hero again, and their orbits have quick, quick changes of people constantly. And I, I don't have very many followers on my brand new social media account. But one thing, when I posted something saying, "Hey, everyone, look up Dr. Curry's testimony." Yes, and she did an incredible. Yes, not I thought she so too. Really pretty, so I wanted her dead. But <laughs> she did the best job I've ever heard anyone describe the disorder. Yes. And, and it really, I was like, oh my God, this should have been taught in high school. Correct. We can all learn from it now. Well, I, you know who else did that was uh, Dr. Uh, DeMar. De, De, she was on the stand for Jody Arias, DeMar De, De something. Damn it. And she did a very similar job. Really? Very similar. Not not as cohesive. It wasn't all at once. It was just sort of, well, these are the qualities of Janine DeMart. DeMart. DeMarte. DeMarte. everything. I, I, I don't. In my, my aging, I used to. Now I don't. Now it kind of bothers me too. You, somebody just brought up Antonio Damasio, who is like, that's in my world. And you're like, oh, he said this, this, and this. And I'm like, I can't even remember four things. Well, I, said. what I said was, I, he, I have a, well, it's called an overlearned. 
behavior, of overlearned mm. learning, right? I have a lot of overlearned stuff in my head. And one of his characterizations of the self, because it's something I was very interested in when I started starting studying neuroscience, because he had a very unique view of, of self, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I was sort of more from the James Masterson world, mm-hmm. you know, and and I've since moved into other <laughs> categories. But but Damasio's, I had to learn it because it was so profound to me. Because there was there is something in it. He said that the self is a repeatedly reconstructed neurobiological process that endows experience with subjectivity. I mean, it's so eloquent. But, yes, yes, you know, deducing what that means for the layperson. Well, is it means not- that that. The self is not some eternal thing. It's wiring in your brain that is rewired all the time and the things that uh, fire together, wire together. So you have to keep keep it going. And something about experience in that wiring causes this thing we call subjectivity. It's not telling you why it happens or how it happens. It's just that subjectivity is a key piece of self. With that, well, yeah, it's it the mechanics of it. It teaches yeah. you that. That there's a mechanics and subjectivity is important. That's all. It's not a full self description by mm-hmm. him. And he had this sort of notion, I mean, we're getting way off topic, but he had this, he had this notion of the proto-self, that there's some sort of subjective something and then things are piled on top of mm. that. Okay. So you you didn't get to your question about my mom. I think you were going to ask me something. Well, I wanted to know how it affected. I'm sorry if the, your poor listeners are like, "What is oh, no, this no, no, podcast they love this about?" Stuff. They love this. Okay, good. Believe me. Um, I wanted to know how it affected your sister differently because the bond between a mom and a daughter is, is it's different, and a lot of your identity, in my experience, comes from yeah. your mother. Is. Yeah, uh, and and again, I want um, as far as the borderline stuff with my mom goes. I mean, she was able to maintain relationships over long yeah. periods of time, and didn't do anything weird or checking out. So right, that's the that's not a borderline mm-hmm. thing. Um, it, it, it whatever it was, uh, my sister is not able to in any way appreciate what my experience was. I couldn't get it. Like, why are you so angry with her? Is always sort of the thing. Why does it? Yeah. So I'm sure you know that being so, and she sort of I well. Mm, she fed into the idealization. Mm-hmm. She absolutely, fully co-signed the idealization, and I did not. No. And, and that was a well. You weren't that, being idealized anyway, right? Venal sin. That's it. Yeah, yeah right. It's like. Mm-mm. You know, I love my friend Jordan Harbinger. Always focused on getting useful, practical insight out of his brilliant guest. Not just wishy-washy self-help stuff. It is real wisdom that you can use. I enjoyed the Jordan Harbinger show. I think you will too. Again, you search it at the Jordan Harbinger show. Uh, most recently, I noticed he had something in there I'm going to tell you about, which just fascinated me. It's an inside story of wealth, power, corruption, and vengeance in today's China. That's right. People were talking about this on the internet, the red roulette. That's the kind of thing you get at the Jordan Harbinger show. That's why I love listening to Jordan Harbinger. Definitely check it out. Jordan's an interesting guy. He's got <laughs> multiple degrees. He's a, he's a professional guy. He's got a law degree, speaks multiple languages, has had a crazy life experience. There is an episode for everyone. Again, I enjoy the show. I think you will too. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That is H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll thank me for checking out the Jordan Harbinger Show. ED is more common than most people think. In fact, 52% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 will experience some form of erectile dysfunction. That's why I am happy to say that we have more efficiencies thanks to the use of the internet. And the benefits of ED treatment can help you reconnect with your partner. Roman is that efficiency ready to give you confidence, self-assurance. Roman system is completely confidential, totally discreet, 
no labels on the packages or anything like that. And with Roman, you get free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. And of course, a U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. Again, it is exceedingly common, and they're easy solutions. Whole process, straightforward, convenient. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Drew. Complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with a U.S. licensed healthcare professional and take care of it. It's common. It has a treatment. Treatment is safe. If it's appropriate, you will get it at GetRoman.com slash Drew. Go there today. And if you're prescribed, get $15 off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have confidence and control this summer. Roman ready. Burnout is common these days. Gosh, we're all under a lot of stress. And of course, we can feel overwhelmed. We can have psychiatric symptoms. We can have physical symptoms like lack of motivation, irritability, or even joint ache, sleep disturbances. Well, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy, and BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. I've been referring patients, family, been very pleased with the services provided, and why not? Why shouldn't we be able to access mental health services like any other health services via Zoom, via the internet, via the phone? BetterHelp Customized Online Therapy offers video, phone, even live chat sessions with your therapist. You don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, and you certainly don't have to worry about stigma or worry about the discomfort of running into somebody in the waiting room. And with BetterHelp Online Therapy, more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Drew. That is BetterHelp.com slash Drew. Grilling season is here. I don't know about you, but I am pumped to – oh, I've got already dusted off the grill and get that barbecue going. Uh, what's more exciting, I have the perfect instrument to make sure I don't undercook or overcook any of my meats. Meter, sleek Bluetooth meat thermometer that tracks the temperature of your food and lets you know when it's ready to come off the grill. You follow the cook on the phone so you don't have to keep checking up on it and opening the grill and closing it. Mm-mm. You get the perfect steak. Juicy chicken every time with meter, right? It's M-E-A-T-E-R. It's not M-E-T-E-R, but it is a meter. Super simple, super easy, perfect result. It can be used in a grill, smoker, oven, whatever you're using, literally anywhere. comes with cloud service. You can have limitless range, so you can still monitor the meat while you're doing something else. Monitor your steaks or chicken on the app. You've got other things to do. You can just go do them. This is the perfect tool to be a grill master. Great for Father's Day, any any holiday. It's a great gift. Get 10% off with code DREW when you shop at meter.com, M-E-A, like meat, M-E-A-T-E-R.com. Again, get 10% off with code DREW at meter.com, M-E-A-T-E-R.com. 10% off on meter.com with code DREW. Fire up the grill and get cooking with meter. Uh, was it hard for you to not be validated by the only other person in your environment at that time, your sister? No, because we had a big enough age differential too. That was another thing. My mother was younger when she was raising me. It was like a six-year age difference. Uh. And so I was rejecting everybody. I was like, I'm out. I, I'm out. I, you know, my, it's interesting. My, uh, uh, I think my father's brother's family had mm-hmm. s- some stuff going on too because my cousin who was my age – just left for France when she was in 11th grade and just stayed there for two years. And it was like, she's out. And then she became expatriated, lived there for the rest of her life. And just would like, this family's like, I can't yeah. deal. That's uh, a boundary. And in, in both, um, you know, the uncle who, again, had a very different childhood experience than my dad. My dad was highly tra- – they were immigrants. 
running away from the Ukrainian genocide, right? The Holodomor, which okay. now people are starting of to understand course. a little bit. Yeah. This is Stalin's thing. Yep. Um, he was, they were part of that, di- that uh, diaspora yeah. and, and got here just in time for the depression. Perfect. And, and, Welcome to the party. And, and so my dad was like eight years old at that time and it profoundly traumatized him. So his thing was to traumatize me financially. So he had to, he had to, when I was, what are you talking about, what, I, Michelle? We we got to talk about psychopaths, which is what I intended this to be about. But let's we'll go ahead and talk about my story. If people, are I interested. struggle to be interviewed. I so, like interviewing. So, well, it's fine. It's turn the tables on me. It's something I've not done for this podcast, so it's good. Um, uh, he, at the age of I would say two on, would guilt and shame and scare me with with financial catastrophe and i and and of course he became somebody i i felt like i needed to protect from his narcissistic core like oh i had to take God. care of him right because i could feel it i could feel the pain that was under there but one of the explicit things that was acted out on me was let's say i was 8 years old that's for the sake but this started when i was like 2 to 4 or something like that oh you need a new pair of shoes uh, <laughs> okay get them i mean you know uh, not the fancy ones, but whatever, oh, whatever. Go get what you need. But but here's the deal: when you come home, well, tomorrow you'll have to come visit me in the poorhouse. Uh, it's okay. I'll be in the window. You can wave to me through the window. I mean, at two at early, early, like really early shit. Because I, I, I know I can say two. Old, that's like hard for me to understand. I can say two because we moved out of our house in Alhambra when I was about two and a half, and I was already fully armed with the poorhouse <laughs> by the time we ended up in Pasadena. And uh, and I, I can picture the place to this day, seeing my poor dad in the window waving back to me because I needed shoes. Oh, and this went on forever. So your existence kind of, was a burden financially for him, and, and you had to protect him. Well, from and, that. and what's interesting, my growth and development was, right? Which is sort of the, my mom's thing, too, right? Yeah, don't you have your feet grow? Don't grow. I need clothing because that's going to cause a disaster. I'm telling you, I know your listeners want to know more about you, so I think okay, I'm doing okay. a favor. You're doing a nice job. You're doing a nice job. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's hard for me to hear that because it is traumatizing. And we then you also think, what did I say to my kids growing up? Oh, I know, of course. And and I'm you know, and millennials have their own stuff, and I, and I'm trying, and I go to I run to the other side of the boat. Do whatever you want. Be yourself. Be your own person. You know, and it's like. I wish you'd give me some more guidance. Oh, God. Sort of, you know, we can't win. <laughs> right, right. This is... yeah. Well, that's parenting, right? right? You can't win. And and I'm fully prepared for that. And, and I, think, I think I've gotten better just appreciating what it is they do do and being supportive of whatever that process and things are. Whatever it is, I can, I can, I can uh, celebrate you whatever it is. You seem to. Every time I talk to you, you're talking about well, the next they, amazing thing you, they're doing. Yeah, but, but again, that's through my – but maybe they don't want to be doing an amazing thing. Maybe they want to regroup. So a couple of them have just God, been regrouping gonna, lately. You can't do can't, this to yourself. <laughs> what? I mean, you're 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 punishing yourself for supporting them, and then punishing yourself for well, and to be fair, too much. Yeah, and to be fair, that probably gets through on some level mm-hmm. and I, to the extent that they feel responsible for that. I don't want that. I don't want that. So, I, as uh-uh. when you talk about <laughs> uh-uh. when you no, I mean, I, first of all, I I kind of follow your kids, but they they were educated the same place my kids are being educated. Yes, they, yes. How's that going? Thanks to you. Is that good? Um, I love it. It's great. I love right? it. Although I got to tell you something, I don't recognize that institution. I, I recognize still, but the, the the higher education institutes that I that I went to or I sent my kids to, I don't I don't recognize them anymore. Mm. They're just so changed in terms of their priorities and what they're doing and what they're. I I'm not sure I would send the kids to the same places again. Okay, we're gonna have to uh, talk about that. When yes, we get please older. do, please do, because I I have I was hardcore. 
about all about it because it was so important in terms of changing how my mind operated yeah. and how I continue to learn and you know these things I'm so grateful for. I'm so grateful for my education. Mm-hmm. It was it was exceptional. Um, and I have kind of a lazy brain naturally, and it sort of it trained me through all that. And Thank it's funny. I'm saying I, you have a lazy brain. I say that to people all the time. Like, yeah, but look at your accomplishments. I'm like, that has nothing to do with it. N- no, the, it's where I would go had I not been in a rigorous environment where I stepped up. Uh, and it had, my son, I saw him go through the same process, and he's now grateful also that he you know he became a math major and stuff, and, and that was not his. Mm, that how his brain worked, and now it does, and he can use that. I can tell you, for me, when I really noticed it, I, I was always a pre. I had great science training, like really good, and I'm noticing it's being very important now because science has sort of weirdly gotten weird. Um, but on my feet in the wards uh, during my you know third, fourth years and, and uh, residencies, I could think on my feet better than my peers. Mm. I could just use that instrument. Quicker, better, with greater alacrity and, and to greater service of the patients and stuff. I was just so appreciative. But anyway, uh, so what, what what my sister saw versus what I saw, different. It was different. That's it's often different. the case, right? It's, the siblings don't always see the same thing and are not always subjected to the same thing. And well, they have their own biological stuff going on too, whatever that is. And, and I find that to be challenging when the, when you're the sibling because, A, it's like we were both there. We took different things away. Like my sister – and I, both raised by borderline, she got very different messages than I got. You know, I got the take care of yourself, never, ever have to depend on anybody. And she got the cater to the man. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot different. Yeah. She's five and a half years um, older than me. So the same, you know, yeah. she, she was experiencing at different stages, the divorces, the yeah. divorces. But yeah. it's interesting for me to hear you talk about your parents, how it what it did to you, the protective factors that sent you on this trajectory rather than a, a more deleterious trajectory, and then how you struggle with supporting your kids but also not putting pressure on your kids yeah. and accepting them but maybe yeah. they don't want to be accepted. Yeah. What the it, hell? That's parenting, man. This is why I have a podcast on how not to raise a serial killer because let's just set the bar low. Like, <laughs> as well, long so as we're not killing so people. So let's spend the last 10 minutes talking about that. So so what what is it about serial killers and psychopaths? What are we going to learn about this in your podcast? I mean, listen. And by the way, we, you and I have a streaming show to do and that's, mo- that's all we're going to talk about in that one. So I, prepare yourself. I, I, now we've gotten all this off our chest. We've had our therapy. <laughs> we, can, we can move on to our next subject. Oh, my God. For anyone listening, that was two months ago. So yes, check yes. that out. Oh, yes. Yeah, it, so. At doctor.tv, you can yeah. find it. You're going to have to Dr. find it. Com. You dig yeah. deep. Dig deep with all your free time. Yeah. No, no. I, so, Michelle, has your, your, you've got your podcast. Don't you have a book out too now? If if I didn't have lazy brain, I would have. Okay, a book. so it's how not to raise a, po- a how not to raise a podcast is what we are is what we are what we are promoting. And I just said, you know, here's Gary's email, here's Michelle's email. Get on these shows. Let's go talk because I'm always happy to talk to you. Well, I'm always anytime I can be in a room with you because. But then I'm like, do people want to hear how you and I we we digress? And yeah. Then, but you're good about bringing it back again. Yeah. So we're bringing it back right now. Okay. So how so, not to raise a serial killer? The reason I uh, I came up with that and God bless Cloud Ten and iHeart for letting me just run with it is true crime. Everyone's obsessed. I've been working in true crime forever. Why do you think people are obsessed? I've well, wondered that myself. I'm not sure I understand. The genre it. is, you know, killing. Yeah, but the, the the genre, the people who watch it, killing is killing. Killing is killing. Are women? Yes, you know, I know. From this age to this, you know, age. South Park did a whole thing about this. They and, predict and, everything. Yes, and they do their own candy. They but, predict everything. But they called it murder porn. Well, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I've been working in murder porn for a long time, and I'm like, wait a minute. Those of us in the ivory tower, we have some answers. We know why people kill, and we know how to prevent. Mm. We know how to nudge a psychopath to become Bill Clinton versus Jeffrey Dahmer. No, 
bad example. No, no, that's good. Schizo- well, he's but, a schizotypal, so we'll say Ted Bundy. Okay. Be- because um, I've heard mo- multiple psychopath experts talk about Bill Clinton as a pro-social psychopath. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's my favorite one. And, and pro-social, pro-social psychopath, my favorite one. Pro-social psych- psychopaths can be very effective, very we useful. Yeah, we need them. Right. You yeah, need yeah. surgeons. Yeah. You need hedge fund managers. Yeah. You need people to run countries. But, but when they're pro-social, they have an exquisite compass because that's all they've got is sort of this objective idea of morality. Well, it's not, goal-driven. Not, a, not an emotional idea. That's of right. Yeah. If their goal is pro-social, they will stick to yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And if, the, if you can keep omega-3s, let's just put that in everyone's coffee and everyone's baby bottle. I just want to say that now because okay. it's a protective factor for every, everything. But in- Early or all the way along the lifespan? Take it today. Well, I do take it every day, and because it's 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 now its effect on lipid metabolism right. has sort of been marginalized. It's probably not a big deal. Not, but that's I, not why I, we take it. Okay, I, and I'm on my last bottle, and I was thinking, this is it. I'm going to finish it after this. But is it DHAs or the mixed or what? So they've all been studies. DHAs yeah. is great. EPA. They they've all because I normally studied. when I was really into it, I was taking a mix. You know, a, a usual just a high quality mix and DHA supplement. Because I felt not like need D- both. I feel, always felt like DHA was more neuroactive. Right? So it not only – they tell you to take it when you're pregnant, yeah. Gary, your wife, let's hope. And oh, was there another one coming? Oh, she was taking – no, no, no. Okay. We're done. <laughs> Kitchen's closed. It. Kitchen's closed, but she was taking everything under the sun when, okay. uh, when that was a yeah. thing. So Folate, I'm sure that was Folate and, and DHA. Yeah, okay. But I don't think that's in my mix. I'm still working on the mix you gave me at the beginning of COVID. So maybe we need to update my uh, – of, of, I, I gave you – You gave me like a regimen. It was vitamin D. It was yeah. – I'd have to read it off. But there's, sure five, there was... there's five I was taking. Okay. I'm taking right. every day. Good for you. Well, they tell you to take it when I've you're pregnant. I've stopped the zinc, just FYI. But go ahead. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about COVID, but you probably already talked about it a lot. We'll talk about it this afternoon. This afternoon. Yeah. They they tell you for neurodevelopment. It's incredibly important. Yes. What they and that you know that's great for brain power. You know, just having a, a, a smarter healthy brain. kid, healthy, healthy brain. brain. Yeah. But it is one of the biggest uh, reducers in conduct disorder, aggression. I, again, intrauterine or all, all the, cho- the all the time. Time. All right, everybody. All that. Okay, my it, kids are going to be a study in, uh, and, and by what? And so, what's the balance? How much? What do we know? Well, if you're if you're actually just feeding it to yourself or to your kids, yeah, just three a supplement days a week. every day. Well, How the much? fish itself, I would do three days a, three days a week. The supplement, whatever's recommended, is enough. Well, there is, there's, it's all over the it's place. All, the yeah. God damn. Okay, Why are you asking so, questions? So here's a good one. There's a, there is a, uh, Nordic Naturals has a, um, a supplement, a, a, a lipid called, uh, Ultimate Omega. Mm. And it's a very high quality Omega and it's a good mix. They have one with D also. So if you want to get your vitamin D and get it that way, but that's a good one. I just, a starting think, point. That's good. I think they are the company that did the study or promoted this. They had a drink called Smartfish. Oh, interesting. And they gave it to the population of uh, children in, I think it was in Norway. I'm not positive. I know we've done it in Mauritius, but, and they, they gave half of the kids either, there was many studies, but the drink, half mm-hmm. the kids just fish, the other half, or two different studies, and then the control group. They got normal food, no more, didn't get the drink, followed <laughs> them for many, many, many years, and there was no crime, no crime in that group, and baseline crime, the normal, what you would How expect How come this crime. isn't promoted more? I've not this. This is why I wanted this. to do this podcast, okay. because the ivory tower hangs on to this information, yeah. Yeah. and I'm like, look, if I'm going to be in murder porn, I'm going to feed the vegetables with Great. the murder porn, Absolutely. because we, have, we can't exploit true crime and not do something to stop it. I, I had to go to CrimeCon recently. I'm like, y'all realize people have to be killed for us to be doing this? Like, it's weird. It felt very – for the first time, I was like, this is unholy. So I'm like, if I can make a difference, if I can show people how to reduce crime, then I'm totally cool still doing true crime. In, in true psychopathy like James Fallon, um, 
always been talked about more as a neurobiological process, mm-hmm. less of an environmental kind of thing. I'd agree. Is it, is it accurate to say that somebody with that genetic neurobiological underpinning who has severe childhood trauma, that's the killer? It's, it can happen without that. So yeah. it lives in the amygdala. We can actually look on a scan and see differences in the amygdala of a psychopathic. I thought there was a parietal thing too, right? There, there's yeah. there, and the, the cingulate yeah. gyrus. There are, yeah. But if you think of the limbic the cingulate system. Is, the cingulate is sort of the emotional thing. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if you think of the limbic system yeah. as a whole, which yeah. drives our emotions, it's when, when you're feeling rage, when you're feeling any sort of big emotion, it's, being, it's coming from your amygdala. Fortunately, we all have good prefrontal cortexes. Starting in the amygdala, right? It the starts – well, the no, limbic system. It starts okay. in the limbic system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so-called. You know that term is sort of being – Well, that's we why – We all know what we're talking about when you say limbic, but, but people are getting weird about it. They're getting it. weird about it. Yeah. It's a region of the brain. Yeah. It's very uh, prehistoric. Yeah, it's, it connects to many different things. It does many different things. Right. So the idea of a separate triune brain is sort of old. And you can't, right? Because yeah, right. everything's feeding back to – right. they're, they're circuits and everything's yeah. feeding back. Information goes back to your limbic system, right. which changes what it right. puts out. I, so, feel like, I feel like amygdala is sort of the saliency. Like this is salient. This, this is important. This is important. Yeah. And, and we measure that. And, and the, the studies are robust when it comes yeah. to the amygdala. So I yeah. kind of – I always go back to her mm. and the hippocampus to a degree. But if, mm. if we can measure it. So a person's going to be born with those traits regardless. The trauma can help nudge you to pro-social and antisocial behavior. Mm. And we can talk about that later, about what you can do to nudge a kid. To Your kid's going to be – Remind me when you talk because we're running out of time yep. here today. And today has been all about me. Mm, I wanted <laughs> to be that way. So do your uh, listeners. Um, but remind me this afternoon we should start right there. That how do you, this, this very topic, the, the neurobiology, how you nudge it. It's interesting, the pro-social part. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like the pro-social ones are – correct me if I'm wrong um, – are understimulated in childhood in some way. Sort of aren't getting enough sort of stuff and they, they, they come to a, their own place with it. You're Tell hitting me. on the low autonomic arousal yes, that exists in yes, psychopathy. Correct. And I can do a whole podcast on that. But you're right. And one of the answers to make your kids – Pro-social psychopath versus antisocial is give them stimulation. Let them learn a sport. Let them run their own little business so that they're not picking on kids in right. class. So we'll Gary, talk later. Or have people pick on them like uh, Steve, like uh, Chris and Ray. So the obvious question is, is Adam a pro-social psychopath? We've talked about this. Uh, we're out of time. <laughs> Whatever. I, I have great admiration, by the way, for pro-social social psychopaths. They're, they are very – they can be very good moral arbiters because they really they, they really take the emotion out of morality. That's right. They don't they don't get clouded by these our feeling system. Do we love psychopaths, Drew? Is that what we're saying? Well, you do. It's all you do. It's your whole time. I for me, I am. Uh, I do not like non pro social psychopaths. Fair. Uh, pro social. I was a big. I'm a still. I'm a big Bill Clinton fan. He did some horrible shit. Mm-hmm. You know, with some, what he did to Monica Lewinsky and stuff. But as a moral leader and a governor. So I thought he was fantastic. I'm a huge fan of his. So yeah, I'm a fan of pro-social psychopaths. So Me too. There's, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing wrong fan. with being that. That's my point. I have James Adam. Fallon. I have great, I have a good friendship with him. You know, I, I wouldn't want to be married to him. No. He, and, he, and he will tell you you don't want to be married to him, interestingly, too. God, self-reflection. By the way, for the assholes who want to tweet Adam, please know from my tone I'm trying to be humorous here, people. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's all jokes. Come yes, on. It's all funny. And, um, and, but and, Fallon and, knows it because his family tells him that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. he can accept that feedback. I should say, I should say, evolutionarily, there's arguments that psychopathy, psychopathic people are more evolved. Oh, that's interesting. I, well, I, I, think, say I think alcoholics are more evolved. What, what did you this just afternoon. say? Okay. Alcoholics are, is a higher evolutionary state. 
I believe it 100%. So I'm going to keep drinking. And again, for those of you listening, go to drdrew.tv and rewind about two months and yeah. you'll find it <laughs> you'll this see. afternoon. All right. So we'll get to all that this afternoon. <laughs> Michelle, great to see you as always. I'm so glad you're back in Pasadena. And uh, if I start w- winding up some television, you know you're going to be in this because well, I've got, got to use you all the time. And I think people understand why. Because um, go to, you'll understand if you watch the pod, how not to listen to the pod, how not to raise a serial killer. And Apple Podcast, anywhere everywhere. you get podcasts, get it everywhere. And please do uh, subscribe and listen and go or back just and download listen. it. And download <laughs> it. Yeah, do all the stuff because you'll want to review. Do just all re- the yeah. stuff. Unless yeah. you don't like it, then just don't. It's do not, you can tell it. You're not likely, you're not going to like it. You're going to do it. All right, Michelle, we'll uh, see you soon and I'll see everybody else next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D R D R E W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. this month stream the funniest films for free on pluto tv watch comedy classics like anchorman the legend of ron burgundy and mean girls or drop in for a tyler perry marathon with a medea family funeral and medea's witness protection pluto tv also has hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and tv shows like get shorty be cool key and peel comedy in color and more and no contracts no subscriptions no fees no joke so download the pluto tv app on your favorite streaming device and start laughing today pluto tv drop in watch for You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show about how you can be affected by ransomware and cyber attacks on the rise now all over the world. We still don't know just how deep the Russians are into our government systems. So it's going to be at least a year or more before we can stand up and confidently say we've eradicated Russian hackers from nuclear labs, the Department of Homeland Security, the Treasury, the Justice Department. How do you trust that any of the software you're using is secure and not a Russian Trojan horse? We live in the glassiest of glass houses. That makes escalation, you know, that much more of a risk. We're getting close enough that I think we're going to see a cyber attack within the next four years even that causes substantial loss of life. For more with Nicole Perlroth on what the U.S. should do to push back against cyber warfare, check out episode 542 on The Jordan Harbinger Show. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. Huggies Little Movers is their best-fitting diaper ever with its curved and stretchy fit. Babies, no matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers are curved with up to 12-hour protection against leaks. Get your baby butt in Huggies Best Fitting Diaper, Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby.